Morning, team. Thank you, Anthony. There is a light dusting of snow out in the suburbs. Uh, I woke this morning to snow all over the place. So it's not so much the main roads. In fact, there's nothing in town. But out of town, there's uh, snow all over the place. And it's the side roads. So they're going to be, if it freezes, it's going to be like a skating ring. I said to a friend of mine yesterday on the phone, I said, you know, I think the snow's going to come back with a vengeance. And she went, I hope not. I said, I'm telling you, Wednesday, we're going to be knee deep in the blooming stuff again. Never wrong. Except this week, you watch. I hope I'm going to be wrong this week. I was so pleased to see it this morning. Anyway, good programme after the news, which is next on LBC. See you tomorrow. Au revoir. Anthony going off into the snow-driven wastes of North London. Actually, it, it, it's definitely, it was definitely snowing out of town. It didn't snow when I came out this morning, but there was snow all over the place. And there's a light dusting on the car, which I quite like. I quite like that. I thought, I, th- I thought, should I take a photograph? Oh, I haven't got the energy. That time of the morning's bad enough, actually, find a, trying to find the car without doing anything else. And then there was snow on the pavement, so I looked at that, and I thought, that's quite nice, that's quite pretty. I was quite happy with that. Because last time, if you remember, Twickenham got, uh, got sidelined. Everybody else got snow. You know, the road coming into Twickenham uh, got snow, and the road leading out of Twickenham got snow. The middle bit didn't get anything at all. And we sat there, they're all going, well, you better get into work in the morning. And I looked out the, the door, and I... How disappointing is that? And then, when I was speaking to the godchildren the other day, because they had to have a week off at school because they couldn't actually get in because the snow was so bad, and I said, what was it like? They said it was fantastic. And everybody talks to each other. When it snows, people go around talking to each other. So they went up to the... They've got a big field where there used to be a radio mast and everything else in Northweald. And they went up there and everybody was chatting and things like that, people doing snowball fights. I don't want to do the snowball fight bit, I have to be honest with you. I'm more concerned this morning about food hygiene. Absolutely food hygiene. It's always been my bugbear, I'm afraid. I'm a bit funny about people touching my food. It's like... It's like... You, you go for dinner somewhere, and I've had this before, and you haven't finished everything on your plate, and somebody sitting next to you goes, are you not going to eat that? And you go, no. And they go, I'll have it. And you go, no. You can't, it's mine. They go, but you're not going to eat it. And you go, oh, you don't want to eat my food? That's not normal. I know people do it. But I just don't like it. I'd never eat somebody else's food. I'd never be sitting at a table going, oh, I tell you, you've only half eaten that sausage. Give it to me. No. It's my food. I don't want anybody else to eat it. I'm going to throw it away. Don't throw it away. I'll eat it. And it's like people touching your food. Don't touch my food. I appreciate the fact that people do. But I went yesterday. I'll tell you the story a bit later on. And I was sort of thinking, I don't know, shouldn't they be wearing gloves if they're preparing food? I've told you before, I went to Kingston. Months ago, it's been going on for ages, and there's a lot of places on the back road where they do baguettes, and they do cheese and tomato, and they do tuna and everything else. And I thought, if you're handling baked bread with, you know, you're supposed to put gloves on. And this woman's, you know, holding open the, the baguette, buttering it, and putting in the, the, che- the cheese, and then with her hands, not, not covered, pushing down it and cutting it in half, and then sort of putting it in the window, and I'm thinking, ugh, I don't know where your hands are, and you don't look very clean. We were saying the other day, and you were all quite right, that the woman who shopped in Tesco's in her pyjamas quite clearly stinks to high heaven because if she can't be bothered to put clothes on, she hasn't had a shower. And if you've not had a shower, poor Christ. And yet all this garbage this old chav came up with about, oh, you know, haven't got time, you're getting two kids ready for school. Well, what about all the thousands and millions of mothers who managed to get up in the morning, get the old man off to work, get the kids ready... You know, most kids can get themselves ready now. And then and do, do a, a light breakfast or whatever, some toast and a cup of tea, and manage to put clothes on. This poor old nanty 
you know, goes out there and goes, I haven't got time to put clothes on. Well, you're not shopping then, are you? God, that drove me mad the other day. Absolutely mad. Air, even Johnny, living in the real world, said I became annoyed. Miss Jan Leeming from the parish of me, me, me is not fondly remembered for her attempted career resurrection in the jungle. Auntie Jan suffers from the continual flirtation of the strange relative who can't get it into her head that she's not really a sexy woman, but loves to be a poor man's Sophia Loren. I kept thinking high maintenance and delusions of ongoing grandeur. Can't wait for Jan to be in her next reality show. Oh, and somebody called Javine, a singer. Think low IQ and deduct 50. This is the one who, of course, uh, nicked Alicia Dixon's husband and got pregnant. Ah! <laughs> Sorry. Can't bear these sort of things. You know, we've turned into a country full of trailer trash. Every time you turn on the television, the Americans call it trailer trash. We just call it the Jeremy Kyle show. And that's why it's quite funny when he says he's going to America. Sooner the better, matey, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm thinking, they've already got you over there. They've got loads of people who turn out trash programmes like yours. You don't serve any purpose. It's just for people. I was watching a programme the other day presented by Amanda Byram, a lame presenter at the best of times. Oh, good news in the presenting front. Melinda Messenger is quitting that five programme. You know the one she does with Ian the Plank Wright? and some girl who was on another programme. Well, Melinda's uh, going to lose that to concentrate on other things. As what? She can't present. She's got a dreadfully annoying voice. You know, she's just a girl from Swindon. It's all she... All sorts of people. Apparently a frantic hunt for a Jonathan Ross stand-in was launched the other day after he was struck down with suspected swine flu. Why a frantic hunt? Why do you just pick up the phone? That, that would be easier, wouldn't it? I thought that would have been very much easier. Very much easier. Because you just pick up the phone and you call somebody's agent and you say, oh, we'd like to, to book so-and-so. They're saying uh, it could be Graham Norton or it could be... Um, who's the other one? Paul O'Grady. Now, Paul O'Grady, I think, could be good, but he's, he's decided to cut back from, from television at the moment. He's decided to cut back from television and he's decided that uh, he wants to give himself a little rest. I think they're going to find it difficult to replace him because what he's got is the common touch. He has the touch that means that people like him. People, people trust Paul O'Grady. If you did a survey on Paul O'Grady's audience, you would discover that the majority of people watching that programme would say, we trust Paul because he's got that demeanour. People would, would believe what he said. And so he's, he appeals to a huge cross-section, where I wouldn't have thought Paul Ross would appeal to a huge cross-section. In fact, the audience tumbled after the, the disaster with Manuel Gate. And now I think it's got to the stage where it wouldn't make any difference who was presenting. I was sitting the other day, as you know, at the, uh, at the South Bank Show Awards next to Elaine Page. And she's, very, she's got that common touch as well. The same as Michael Ball. He had the common touch. Michael's audience. If you go to a Michael Ball show, you'll find it would not be far off going to a Steve Allen show. You'd find the same people there. He, he appeals to the same people. Damn him. But anyway, he is taking Hairspray out on tour, and he'll do very, very well indeed. Wayne and Colleen Rooney, we'll talk about in a moment, because they're off to court because... Uh, it turns out that because an agent that they used to have didn't get his commission, he's going to take them to court. And now court papers have shown, and it's only one of these preliminary kind of thingies, how much they're earning. And we were horrified to discover the other day, I better start learning how to write a little bit better, because OK Magazine were paying uh, £41,000 a month to Colleen for her column. Forty-one. 41,000 pounds a month. Not only that, 
And when we spoke to Jonathan Levi the other day, who's doing all these programmes, uh, these reality-type... Not reality-type shows, that's a, they're, they're documentaries. Um, and I said how much she was getting for doing her Colleen's Real Women programme. In the, in the papers shown for their company, £13,000 a show. £13,000 a show. And that... And he said, but that's on ITV2. I said, yeah. He said, that's a huge amount of money. And I would think that would be a lot... Small wonder that ITV are, are trying to rein in and trying to save some money nowadays. Because you cannot start paying people who aren't even particularly good and don't particularly rate huge amounts of money. At some point, it's going to implode, and at some point, it's going to all go pear-shaped. And that's, that's the problem. But I did watch the Dancing on Ice the other day, and I did think... If I had enough money, I would pay somebody to teach me how to dance on... Well, not dance on, how to skate. The idea of skating forwards and then... But there's obviously a trick to it. I've watched their legs and, and I've, I, I couldn't do it. And everybody kept falling over and Heather Mills' prosthetic had to be glued in because she kept falling off it. And, and I thought, but it's slippery, it's ice. What is it about the ice you're not understanding? And that's why I say, because you've had snow out in the suburbs this morning, side roads are going to be like skid patches, because it's just enough snow to make a difference. So we'll bring you the update in a moment. Time now, quarter past five. These are the headlines. The couple from Kent, taken hostage by pirates in the Indian Ocean more than three months ago, have made a desperate appeal for help. A fire and explosion at flats in central London has left 12 people needing treatment after smoke inhalation. And Beyonce's picked up six Grammy Awards in L.A., setting the record for the most wins by a female in one night. Well, after the snow, let's have a check on the roads. It's Hugh Broom. Thank you very much. There's a light dusting in places, I think. Point through. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. And because it's, uh, it's a bit chilly out there this morning and you've had some snow, in the, probably about an inch, I would think. That's not, actually, probably a gross exaggeration. It's probably not an inch at all. But it's enough to make the side roads, because nobody's on the side roads, they're only on the main roads. It's noticeable round our way. And that's, as I say, Twickenham generally gets lost. We're, just, we're, we're in like a little eco-weather bit where they just sort of totally ignore us. It's terrible. But uh, we'll, we'll bring you up to date with, uh, with everything that's going on. So take care if you're setting off. And also, this, you'll be slipping over all over the place. Hugh Broom says it's nothing like an inch. But what does he... He doesn't know anything, does he? He's a farmer, for goodness sake. Actually, there's a farming story in the paper today. And it's a farming story of which I was, I was aware of because I was looking through a magazine the other day, an Essex magazine, surprisingly, called Essex. And it's got all sorts of properties available in... Essex, because it's an Essex magazine, and they had an advert for this particular place. And, and I only mention it because a lot of you are fans of farmers' markets. So I'll tell you more about that. I'm very, very, very worried about the so-called US Christians, have you read this story, who go to Haiti, ten of them, and they try to smuggle 33 children out of the country under the guise of, we're going to look after an orphanage. I have to tell you that many of these children are not orphans. Many of these children... And as, and as one man said here, I mean, one of the, the children, a nine-year-old, thought she was going to some sort of summer camp in the Dominican Republic. They were being trafficked. There's no two ways about it. And the, the group's leader insisted they'd done nothing wrong. She said, we came here to help and we know God will reveal the truth. Don't be so silly. Let's try and bring ourselves into the real world. What they were going to do, so they claim, is take the children out of the country. They had no visas, no paperwork. Then they were going to come back in and pick up the paperwork. But as many of these children have parents who are looking for them, and this group 
Ten Americans. It's a Baptist church group claiming they were on a mission to rescue orphans of the disaster. The Haitian authorities accuse them of child trafficking. I've never heard anything like it. There's a picture of them here. I don't know what people from Baptist churches look like, but you cannot just go into a country, pick up 33 children, and go, we're going to look after them in an orphanage. No, you're not. They haven't registered them. It's totally illegal. It's an abduction, says the Social Affairs Minister. I mean, it is absolutely appalling. Thank God they were caught. Thank God they were caught. It's ridiculous. Anyway, these 33 children have now been taken to an orphanage run by the Austrian-based SOS Children's Villages, which are trying to find the parents or close relatives. You know, just pick children up, take them out of the country. And there's a picture of them. Far be it from me to sort of uh, cast aspersions on them, but there's something very odd about people saying, we're going to put them in an orphanage in the Dominican Republic. No, you're not. No, you're not. And uh, I did laugh. I, I had to go onto YouTube earlier on because Prince Harry is raising money for Haiti. And he goes out there and somebody said, will, will, you, will you Calypso? And he said, only if, uh, if a load of money comes in. And so, unfortunately for him, a load of money came in. He, he wanted thousands of dollars for Haiti and he got it just so people could watch him dancing. And if you go onto YouTube and you type in Prince Harry dancing, you get it. He's actually really good. There's something very sexy about Prince Harry when he does... You know, some people look a bit dorky. They look a bit like Robin, Robbie Williams, who can't... He looks like a bloke from Stoke-on-Trent who's a bit mad. Well, when you want to watch Prince Harry dancing, it's absolutely... Unfortunately, William can't dance. William has got no idea because he's a bit gangly, whereas Harry just looks a bit cool. He's, he's got... He's absolutely got rhythm. He can't shake it. He's absolutely brilliant. I thought he was really good. So if you fancy doing that, check it. And it won't be too long before Steve Allen at the uh, South Bank show. Last Awards is up on there, I should imagine, courtesy of Dawn. Five times I got the camera. Five times. How cool was that? I said, to, I said yesterday to Jonathan Levi, as long as you make me look thin, I don't really care. He smiled. Which means I probably didn't look thin. Noreen says, can you wish Hooray a huge fan to get well soon, please? Oh, Hooray has been with this programme for... Crikey. More than, I would think, practically the full term of 31 years. Is it Danielle's birthday about now, says Noreen? It is. It's coming up very shortly. In fact, she's got a party next... What week? I don't know what week we're up to at the moment. I think next Friday, my, my goddaughter Danielle has got a party. And uh, it's just... It's an early morning one, because she's only five. But you know what they're all buying at the moment? Valentine's cards. Everybody's buying Valentine's cards. No, Valentine's cards, because it's Valentine's Day, and her birthday's on Valentine's Day. And so she was out yesterday because she's got a boyfriend at school. She's five. He's six. I mean, it's just... And so we, we said, have you snogged? And she went, no, no, yes. <laughs> They've kissed. Five and six. And then we asked Nathan. And Nathan's got a girlfriend who I think is probably... He's 11, so they're around about the same age. Taylor. We don't know if they've kissed, but he, he's, he's bought one of the... Because you go to Clinton's or any of these card shops, and there's a bewildering array of cards that you buy people to say, I love you. You know, you get a little teddy bear saying, I love it. We saw a ghastly thing, though, in Clinton's. It's a giant rose, but made out of felt. I mean, it's huge. It's, it's about two foot across. And Sharon said to me, who would buy that? I thought, I don't know, but I bet you anything we're going to see somebody walking around Lakeside this afternoon with it. Because it's, just, it's like, who buys the giant birthday cards? You know, the really big ones. Who buys those? They're a bit now. And also, the cost of these things... You know, a piece of printed cardboard comes in about £3 now. And because they know that you're all romantic, 
You're going to be sending cards. Don't send me any Valentine's cards, please. It's a terrible waste of money. Just send money. It's so much easier. And I can put it to far better use. Because uh, I think... Now, what did Charlotte buy? Oh, she bought her, her boyfriend, Grant. She's got... He, he won't be listening at this time. She, she went into Thornton's and got one of those heart-shaped chocolates and they write on it what you want in icing. You've got to wait for an hour for it to dry. But then, so she's written on it her initials and his initials and then a kiss at the bottom. Exactly. But they text each other all the time. You know, 15, 16, they're texting backwards and forwards. You think, what do you talk about? And she said, sometimes, Uncle Steve, she said, we're on the phone. And I go, OK, bye. And then you wait. You go, are you going to put the phone down? You go, no. Are you going to put the phone down first? No. And you sit there for another ten minutes, debating who's going to put the phone down. It's a bit like Just Good Friends, I think, on the television. Uh, We're not going to hear from John in Las Vegas this morning. He's staying at the Bellagio, as you know. We'll catch up with him tomorrow morning. And uh, and Dawn says, you recently mentioned Amy MacDonald. I can't remember why, and I think somebody emailed and said she's an actress. There's also a singer called Amy MacDonald. I'm pretty sure that Steve Hargrave may have played her on the show, and that's why... Uh, I remember you both talking about her and saying you liked her. Was she the one who did Mr. Rock and Roll, or was that somebody different who did Mr. Rock and Roll? Mr. Rock and Roll, was that Amy MacDonald? I don't think it was, actually. I think that was that was somebody. That's hopeless, isn't it? Sometimes you can't remember. I can go down the road to Capital and I can say, who did so? And they can tell me. Me, I can sit here till the cows come home and I can't remember a blooming thing. I don't think I missed. She did do Mr. Rock and Roll. Did she? Oh, how lovely. Oh, blimey, I'm not as balmy as I thought I was this morning. I can actually remember things. Uh, there's more in the uh, the paper today on uh, Michael Jackson and how they now say prosecutors are ready to charge his doctor with causing the star's death. You have got the Jackson brothers as they prepare for a tour. Uh, still going on about, you know, Michael was our best friend. That's why he left you nothing in the will at all, I'm afraid. And if you tell a woman a joke and get a blank look, don't immediately despair. She's taking her time to understand it. In other words, women are a bit slower when it comes to doing jokes than men are. Don't ask me why, because most women would say, this is absolute rubbish. I got stuck behind a car the other day going in. It was driven by a woman, and she was doing about 24 miles an hour. Now, I know it's within the speed limit, but frankly, it's too slow you know, do th- I mean, I st- I mean, to be honest with you, I think 30 is a little bit too slow, I'm afraid, as well. But that's, that's just my opinion. I realise that if you hit somebody at 30, it can be quite dangerous. In fact, almost fatal in many cases. But when you get somebody who is just pootling along, and they're the Sunday drivers, aren't they? They can count, you know, how many bus stops there are between here and there, and how many stones, and they sit there, and you know they're on a cushion, you know they're sitting on a cushion. It's just one of those things. Stephen Bridlington says, plenty of snow up here. Lucky old you. I say lucky old you because I haven't been affected by the snow this year. I keep waiting. The boss said, you know, on the night the snow was going to come down, he said, just make sure everybody, you know, you can get in. So, of course, I'm really all prepared for it. I've got my nanook of the North snowshoes on. I've got my big parker. I've got my scarf. I've got my snow goggles, my shovel, my sledge. Open the door. Nothing. Nothing at all. Not one drop of snow. Open the door this morning. Bit of snow. And round my way, it looks like an inch. I don't care what Hugh Broom says. He, he isn't round my way. And we have our own eco-weather system in, uh, in Twickenham. Uh, can you imagine an American audience, says Steve, putting up with Kyle's in-your-face arrogance? You'd end up getting decked. Yes, I mean, well, I mean, I don't have a problem with that, I'm afraid. I don't have a problem. I don't think that you should... Um, I don't think you should really put all these people up on the television. There was a woman the other day on this Amanda Byron programme, which is like a Je Sans Frontier, 
But this woman was the biggest ever. She was the fattest ever. And quite clearly, this programme involves having some sort of agility, an ability to jump between here and there. This woman couldn't even haul herself up onto, uh, onto one of the floating pontoons. It was that sad and desperate, I'm afraid. LBC 97.3 It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Monday morning. It's the 1st of February. It's nice to have your company. It's 5.30. Somewhat worrying, the ghastly Javine on Celebrity Come Dine With Me thought Jan Li Ming was Chinese. Can you believe? Jan Li Ming. Lovely. I don't think so, Javine. As I say, not bright in the intelligence department. Absolutely awful, I'm afraid. And uh, Amy MacDonald was a guest on Hello Cheeky in the 60s, says Mary. Now, was that presented by Timbrook Taylor? Timbrook, was it Timbrook Taylor? I'm sure one of the goodies did Hello Cheeky. I think so. And uh, Steve says, I hope Croydon Council are listening to you this morning. A dusting on Saturday around there, but not even a main road gritted. Lots of hills and very slippery. Uh, it's true. It's, it's the side roads. <coughs> Excuse me. It's the side roads which are, which are not particularly good, I'm afraid. So those are the ones where you think... And many people uh, are driving who've never experienced driving in the snow. I think there should be a separate test for driving in the snow. Most people can't do it, and they crash into all sorts of things. Dreadful, dreadful. Front of every single paper this morning, John Terry. Every single paper, John Terry. John Terry's wife's walked out with the kids. She's uh, telling him the marriage is over. She's flown to Dubai, of all places. I'd never fly to... I'd fly to somewhere that was a bit more exciting, I'm afraid. And good news for Christine Bleakley. Hi, you. She decided to introduce her boyfriend, Frank Lampard, to her... On screen, other half, Adrian Childs. You know, you begin to think, if they were 14 and 15, you could understand this. She's 30, for goodness sake. She's introduced her boyfriend to her on screen. It's like, why would you do that? You know, I'm quite sure there are people in this building, you know, all of a sudden Jess doesn't go, I'm going to bring my boyfriend in to meet you. You know, what for? You know, I wouldn't expect the boss to sort of bring his other half in to go, this is my other half. You, think, what? you don't do that. Why would Christine Bleakley... Do exactly say, you know, oh, Adrian, this is, this is Frank, or below, you know. And then, it, it just wouldn't do it, it's just boring, isn't it? It's just tedious. Apparently, they've only confirmed their relationship last week, but they did meet in October. Apparently, his nickname is Lamps. Don't make me say it, don't make me say it. Uh, apparently, the world's fattest man, well, he's not, actually. He's, he's somebody who's uh, had this operation, he's lost more than 20 stone. Paul Mason weighs 49 stone, and is believed to still be the heaviest man on the planet. He's not. You want to go to America, they've got people that are 70 stone. Seven, I mean, they're all going to die for the simple reason that the, the pressure, the immense pressure on the heart when you are clinically obese. We had to pay for this man to have this, uh, this operation. And in fact, they had to, to knock down a wall so you could get him into hospital. Isn't it appalling? I remember seeing a programme on the television. Who did it? I know that Timothy Spall has done a, a film about the world's fattest man that could be based on somebody else. And they said to this bloke, you know, the world's fattest man. And he was very proud of the fact that he was, even though he was probably costing a small fortune in medication. And, and they went and filmed him and they said, we're, we're actually going to weigh you. And he said, well, I weigh 70 stone, I do. I'm very proud to be the world's, you know, fattest man. And they weighed him and he was nowhere near 70 stone. He went, it's wrong, isn't it? It's wrong. It's wrong, that." I'm telling you, I'm 70 stone. No, you're not. Look, this is a set of scales. You're not 70... It's wrong, that is. And he wouldn't have it. He became quite, quite peculiar, as indeed do most people in that situation, where they've sort of hung on to a title for a long while, and they go, oh, you're the world's fattest man. Aye, and I'm proud of it. And then you weigh them, and you go, you're not the world's fattest man at all. I am. 
Because all of a sudden it means that all their stuff in their, their gullet with all this terrible food has been to no use whatsoever because they're not the world's fattest man. They're just another fat lardy who's a drain on the NHS. Mark the bailiff. And also, very high food bills. But they eat everything. Do you remember you've seen this? We had that big fat family on television, those two ghastly, stupid children who appeared on Britain's Got Talent and they turned out not to have any. And then one of the television companies, a minor television company, made a programme about them, thus turning them into stupid celebrities. We've got some stupid people. You know, as far as I'm concerned, a celebrity is somebody who can, has got a talent, a God-given talent, that means you can either sing, juggle, dance. Not somebody who just stands there, fat, bloated, and, you get, and your talent is what? Or be a singer. Well, you can't sing. That's a woman suing the uh, Simon Cowell at the moment because she can't sing. And she said, I've got an illness. It's not, I couldn't sing on that day. No, you can't sing at all. You, c- you can hear people. I watched The America's Got Talent the other day with a guy who was, one of the judges was a guy who played Doogie Howser, who I was very, very fond of years ago. I loved Doogie Howser. And then he came out as, as gay a short while ago. And he was on there judging. And at least he knew what he was talking about. And one of the Jonas boys was on there as well. And there were people coming on. And when they can sing, you can hear they can sing. When they can't sing, flat as pancakes. And then you tell them, I'm terrible. You can't sing. If I can. You can't. You can't hold a note. It's my dream. Well, it might be a dream, but that's what it is. You can't sing. And you tell them the truth. And they go into public meltdown. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? I'm quite sure if you told the this fat bloke here, 20 stone love, you're, you're a drain. I don't think... You know, why don't you just cut down on the amount of eating? Perhaps some exercise would be useful. Perhaps just lifting a toe, doing anything. It can't be easy. It's, I mean, what do you think he would have for breakfast? Th- this, this family, they just had everything for breakfast. Fried bread, sausages, bacon. I mean, the food bills must be astronomical. But they keep, they keep eating, and they don't do any exercise. And they go, oh, what do you do, love? They asked one of these fat children. Hairdresser. Oh, right. So you're not really getting much exercise, are you, as a hairdresser? No. Shame that, isn't it, really? You know, why don't you try going on a diet? So they sent it to fat camp. In other words, you can give these people all the help in the world and they take not a blind bit of notice. You remember, who was that big bloke who went on? Was it Fame Academy? Rick Waller, otherwise known as Man Mountain. As fat as ever. And all he wanted to do was eat. Eat, 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 eat. And, and didn't want to do any exercise. So they put him... And he, he volunteered to do a programme on the television, for which he got a fee, uh, and it was called Celebrity Fat Camp, I think hosted by Dale. And they had a trainer there, and I think Anne Whittacombe went on it. Loads of people. And the idea is, you go there, and this trainer will say, OK, here we go, we've had some porridge for breakfast, now off you go on a run. And they go, oh, I want to go on a run. Well, you're on a programme which is called Celebrity Fat Camp. The idea is to get you thin, to make you live a bit longer. And Rick Waller, they, they managed to find a T-shirt that fits him. God knows, they must have trawled the country for this thing. Because his, his chest must be about 72 inches across. It's huge. And, uh, and he couldn't do anything. He, but he thought that he didn't need to do it. He thought he'd just take the money and, and not really bother with sort of doing the exercise. And they go, you've got to do it. And in the end, he, walked, he said, I'm not doing it. And he walked off and was found sitting in his room eating a curry. But, it's, but the trouble is, if you, if you, you've never had a lifetime of being fat... You can't have, you know, he didn't come out the womb that size. He's just eaten and stuffed his face, and it's got worse and worse and worse. And then, you know, people say, oh, people eat for various reasons. They eat because they're, they're either bone idle, they're lazy. Unless you've got a particular medical illness, his isn't a medical illness. His is because he overeats, and that's the problem. And all you've got to do is educate your stomach to take less. Thin people look at fat people and think, how on earth did you get that size? How did you get to... How is it possible? And then you see them queuing up in the fish and chip shop, 
You know, uh, la- I love a large cod. Actually, just while I'm waiting, I love a sausage and batter. And, uh, and so they, they wrap that up, and just between walking from here to the car, they've eaten the sausage and batter sideways. You know, and then they might I'll have an extra portion of chips, actually. And, they, and you look at them and you think, that's why you're fat. That's why you're fat. I must talk to you about hygiene, because I, I, I went yesterday, don't laugh why I did it, a moment of madness, a weakness. I'm very funny about hygiene in restaurants, takeaways, or whatever it is. I don't like people touching my food, uh, because I don't know what their standard of hygiene is. So I go the other day, and, and I sort of thought, oh, I know, I'll walk to Waterloo. But it was cold, and I'd left my gloves here. So I thought, to warm my hands up, feeble excuse, I know, I thought, I'll buy a double cheeseburger from McDonald's for twenty-nine. I thought, I can afford to fork out the twenty-nine. I'm not that mean that life is, is, is going to be completely different. So I thought, twenty-nine. So I go to McDonald's, I go, oh, double cheeseburger, please. So I'm sort of standing there, and they have to make it. I don't know why they don't have them ready, they have to make it. It's quite a big one, next to Charing Cross Station. So I'm there, and I can look through. Normally you can't look through and watch them making them. He's making them with his bare hands. He's not got gloves on. Normally they put these disposable... I call them surgeon's gloves, but you can buy a box of them. They're, like, they're either blue or... I think blue for, for food handling, isn't it? But anyway, he didn't have anything on, and I'm watching him assembling my burger. And I'm thinking, should you... And I thought, I don't, perhaps, perhaps I'm just being a bit funny now. Perhaps I'm being a bit picky. Perhaps I'm, I'm just being a little bit difficult. But I thought, it was when he picked up a piece of cheese with his bare hands and moved across between table to table and then laid it on top. And I'm thinking, he's touched that cheese with his bare hands. I'm not really sure I want it now. And then to make matters worse, one of the girls who wasn't working, but she was standing there at the till waiting for her, can I help you? Can I, you know, they do that. You walk in there, you've only just opened the door, and they go, can I help you? Like, I've got no idea. What, what do you serve? What do you serve here? And so she then moves back to where, where the chip fryer is, and she picks up a chip and starts eating it. And I'm thinking, I don't think you're supposed to be doing this. This is a food place. There are very strict standards. And I think we've slipped. I think we've slipped. I want to see people wearing gloves, assembling my food. I'd only see... I mean, he might have just put his finger in his mouth and then touched mine. I don't know. Because I thought they were normally very good. I thought McDonald's had... Although they, most of them are franchises. But I thought they had very strict rules and they came round and checked on these kind of things. I was just... I'm just... Yeah. You see, the one near, near Jess, very good. I'm just a bit funny about people handling my food raw. I don't want you to touch my food, please. I'd rather you didn't. You know, make me a lot happier. A lot happier. And as for a girl picking up a chip and eating it, you don't do that. You don't do that. It's not nice. Don't do it again, all right? Management listening? Make sure. Anyway, other stories of the papers today. I mentioned about Wayne and Colleen Rooney. Their lifestyle will be probed in a battle with their former sports management agency, which is suing for four million for unpaid commission. Now, you can imagine, if four million is the unpaid commission, imagine how big these deals are. And people say to me, how much do footballers make? Answer, they make a load. She's making a load as well. Only discernible talent, she's married to him. That, that is the extent of it, I'm afraid. I don't know if you saw the 3D match on telly the other day. People were watching it in Manchester and in London because Sky HD beamed the cutting-edge pictures nationwide. They will be doing it from April, but they did a test thing the other day. And most people were going, it's great. I just don't want to wear glasses in a pub. I'm sorry, I just... I, they all look a bit peculiar, actually. They look like they've sort of wandered in from one of those, one of those alien movies. <laughs> but at least they're better than those red and, uh, red and blue things. Is it red and blue? Red and green. That means they really were balmy, but we've all got a pair at home, haven't we? Because you have to do it. Uh, Jerry Halliwell holding hands with her lover, who, of course, featured in the papers over the weekend. Uh, they say emerging from a posh restaurant. 
She was at the Ivy. It's not posh. It's just a restaurant, OK? And uh, she was there with uh, with Henry Beckwith. They always, they always sort of say is wealthy, don't they? They always put down, you know, it's, it's no good having a poor boyfriend, because that would be a bit sad. So they're always wealthy, but he had a little, let's just call it an incident, shall we? Uh, with the police outside a, a nightclub. Uh, oh, they've, the, you know the REM single for Haiti? I can tell you who sings what on it. Because each person gets a line. It's except uh, Alexandra Burke and James Morrison who get two. Susan Boyle gets two and a bit. Rod Show. I'll, I'll run through it so you know who's going to be featuring before you spend your money. Oh, and Jedward, a number two in the charts. Jedward, a number two in the charts. Against all the odds, ladies and gentlemen, and an entire country going, you do what? Uh, we jump up and down. Right. And, and, th- and this, is, this is going to get you into the charts. It is, and it has. And in fact, one of Jesse's friends went to, to see them the other night in Stevenage. They were working Stevenage. Got very excited. So, Jedward, number two in the charts. Only goes to prove, with the right management, you can go anywhere. 16 to 6. These are the headlines. New video footage of a British couple kidnapped by Somali pirates three months ago shows them looking thin and gaunt and suggests their health is deteriorating. Twelve people have been rescued and taken to hospital after a fire and explosion at a shop and flats near Oxford Street. And trains on the Dockland Light Railway will start getting extra carriages from today to increase passenger capacity between the city, Canary Wharf and Lewisham by 50%. We'll check on the roads. Whether or not it's an inch remains to be debated. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Looked like an inch to me, Hugh. It didn't work well. It might have been in Twickenham. Yeah, I mean, knee-deep could, could well be. When I, I swept it into knee the corner, deep. it was an inch. Knee-deep. Knee-deep. Well, I'm only small. And you're very small. <laughs> very tiny. I'm only, I'm only six inches tall. A fishing rod in your hat. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, uh, ice is a problem, particularly to the west of town. There is eight four eight five zero. No, what am I talking about? So I'm talking, so, yes, I am eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Uh, the worst thing is checkout people licking their fingers to give you a bag. Well, I don't mind that so much. I can cope with somebody doing that. I've, I find bags impossible to open. I've, I've stood there in tears before now. I mean, I've, I've just just op- open the open the bag. Excuse me, can you open the bag for me? Can you do it? Actually, sometimes, some of the till people are very good and they open loads of bags and leave them sitting there so you can pick them up. Because I can stand there for ages, and then you sort of wet your fingers and rub the top. I can't do it, I'm afraid. Steve, I, I, never mind the, the hungry girl eating the chip. I would never eat food handled without somebody wearing gloves. Yes, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. I mean, I couldn't... I just found it uncomfortable. I'm just, I just don't think that's right. Perhaps some people have got different standards on food hygiene, but I'm really funny about it, I'm afraid. I don't know. Lawrence says the uh, two England Six Nations rugby matches are going to be screened in 3D in select cinemas, including Cineworld in the Haymarket. All right. So now you know. It's never interested me, I'm afraid, 3D. I remember years ago getting 3D pictures and thinking, it's not that exciting, I'm afraid. Not that exciting. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, I wish fat people, says Johnny, could at least be honest and admit they can't be bothered to exercise and enjoy far too much food. Fatties are normally experts in nutrition, but make excuses. And by the way, can somebody tell me how Mrs Wayne Rooney gets 41 grand a month for writing a few lines... It's perverse. I agree. £41,000. I mean, just, just... I can't imagine why you'd want to pay somebody that much. It's even worse when they accept the money. But you'd have to be pretty daft not to, wouldn't you? You'd have to be pretty daft not to. Uh, I live in California. And uh, where I live, there's nothing but fast food. 
and the Walmart Wobblers. They're the fat people who sit and sip on Coca-Cola all-you-can-drink refills. That is true, actually. You go to places where they go, you just pay once and then you can keep refilling it, and they do get big. It's, 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 the trouble is, it's all the food that tastes the nicest that is the worst for you. I mean, who ever decided cream cakes were fattening? It's just not fair. You know, whoever decided Kentucky Fried Chicken was really fattening. And the only fattening thing about it is the bit that you like to eat, which is the skin. All the skin on chicken is the fat bit. That's the bit you take off. Eat the meat, don't eat the skin. But what's the bit that we like? We like the skin. And Colonel Sanders, bless his heart, slightly overweight, a little bit podgy, you know, he's there making the rest of us fat. Go to America, I promise you, you will see more obese people in a couple of hours than you would see here in probably a month. I find it absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Read the gloves, says Bob. There are two separate views on the gloves. Some inspectors prefer gloves to be worn. Others uh, don't, as they feel that wearing gloves minimises hand washing as servers feel safer. But I don't want them touching my food. I just don't want them touching it. I just don't think it's nice. I want them to wear gloves. I don't care. Mind you, I suppose you you could wear gloves and then touch the floor or something like that. That would make it worse, wouldn't it? I don't know. Anyway, so who sings what on the uh, REM single? Leona Lewis sings When Your Day Is Long and the Night, The Night Is Yours Alone. Then there's Rod Stewart, Mariah Carey, Cheryl Cole. God knows what she's doing on it. Uh, Mika, I bet the rest of the, the band are furious. Michael Bublé. Joe McKeldry just goes, hold on, hold on. That's all he sings. Miley Cyrus, James Blunt, oh Gary Barlow, Mark Owen... That's the only two out of Take That. Uh, John Bon Jovi, James Morrison, Alexandra Burke and James Morrison, so he doesn't do too badly, Susan Boyle, Aston Merigold, Marvin Humes, Shane Phelan, Mark Feely, and Kylie Minogue and Robbie Williams. What's interesting, what's interesting is when you look at Shane and Mark from Westlife, I think they're the only two singers in the group. I know that there's four of them. Is there four? Yes, four of them. But I don't think the other two sing. I think they la-la. Because every song is either Shane or Mark singing on it. In the same way that in Take That, it's always Gary Barlow and Mark. They quite clearly haven't put the other two on there. I would think that'd be a bit of a snub if you were doing it, wouldn't you? You'd be thinking, excuse me, can we not all sing this? Like Robbie Williams and Kylie actually managed to struggle through and everybody hurts sometimes. And that's it. I should imagine poor old Sarah Harding must be gutted. You know, nobody from Girls Aloud except from Cheryl Cole, who was singing there. So now you know. Now you know. So that'll be out uh, very, very shortly. Once they've sort of uh, tweaked it and done all the little bits to it, it will be available. Uh, Apparently, Eco Supermarket, the cooperative, has been wrapped because half its stores use ozone-depleting freezers. They claim to be Britain's greenest store. They were voted second least eco-friendly chain for using damaging gases in coolers. Only Iceland was worse in the Environment Investigation Agency probe. Waitrose was named most environmentally aware chain. Do you do you do you save stuff now? Do we do we recycle? Do we do the glass bottles? We do green and brown and clear. Do we do tins? Do we do? I don't do any of that. At one time, we used to save tin foil. We used to save newspapers, and then we'd take them in. There used to be a place where we used to live, and he would pay you for your, for your newspapers, and then you'd give the money to charity. And that was how it worked. And the silver foil we used to save because you could buy a guide dog with silver foil. I wasn't sure if they actually bought a guide dog or they just modelled one out of the silver foil and then gave it to somebody. 
Yes, you could really buy a whole dog with. Sil- had to be. It was a lot of silver foil because it was. It was. It was all melted down. But they weighed it, so you'd have scout groups saving up to buy a guide dog. I've got a couple of guide dogs out there. I have so, a couple of guide dogs. Yes, no, they're called Steve Allen the second. The dogs actually called Steve Allen poor soul. I think it was Steve Allen the first and Steve Allen the second. Poor things, honestly. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at LBC. Uh, Steve, I work part-time in McDonald's. When we prepare the food, we have to wear disposable gloves and wash our hands every 30 minutes. However, Stuart says you see celebrity chefs handling food all the time on television and wiping the plate with that filthy cloth they have tucked into their belt. Definitely a no-no for me. I totally agree, actually. They do. They, they have that filthy old thing, don't they? Brian, Brian Turner does it. And then, then they wipe the side of the plate. Because where are most germs uh, harboured? I'm afraid they're, they're on tea towels. They always say the one thing you should never do is wipe your plates. When you do the washing up, don't wipe the plates with a tea towel because it's full of germs. What you do is you wash the plates, rinse them under the tap and then put them in a drainer. And you leave them like that. I've, I don't think I've dried a plate up in years. We used to have tea towels a long time ago, but we never used them. My mum used to use them, but then after a while they, 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 they get dirty. So you don't use tea towels because they've got loads and loads of germs. You're making me all funny now about this thing. I'm now paranoid over it. Don't anybody touching my food. Oh, dear, I don't know. The things you have to worry about on a Monday morning. Um, rip-off pubs are charging up to how much a pint for soft drinks? £2.60. Because the answer is, they don't want you drinking soft drinks. They want you drinking the alcohol. There's probably more of a profit, although, to be honest with you, £2.60 for a pint of orange squash. You know, years ago, you'd go in and, and you'd go, oh, can I have uh, an orange squash, please? And they'd look at you like you're mad. Now, of course, it's perfectly acceptable to order an orange squash or something like that. But, uh, so, so when you go in, they go, oh, I don't have an orange squash. And it always looks horrible. It's also a bit manky at the back. There's always a few fruit flies buzzing around the top of it. And, and they pour it out, and you're like, oh, dear. If you're very lucky, you've got a slice of orange in it or a slice of lemon, depending on what it was. We used to ask for St. Clement's all the time. That was the only thing. That was orange juice and, um, and uh, what was it? Orange juice and bitter lemon, I think. I think bitter lemon and orange juice, which is quite good. Quite like that. David Brent is to return. Ricky Gervais has confirmed. I've got a guest today who I'm going to be talking to who appeared on Extras, and that's Sean Williamson. He'll be a, a future guest for In Conversazione, which is very nice indeed. Here's uh, dreary old Jordan's boyfriend, the full amazing story of how a couple have uh, done it, and she's going to have a baby, so they say. Simon Cowell is a bit worried, according to the papers. He's a little bit worried that the next Britain's Got Talent series is facing a crisis of no talent. Well, I thought we thought that from the last one, I'm afraid. Very little talent out there. Very little. And so um, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Princess Beatrice is going to run the marathon. Now, it was only a short while ago she was saying she wasn't going to run the marathon. Now she's saying she is, but she's going to have a bodyguard in tow. Why? Why? What's the point of having a bodyguard? What a waste of money. You don't need to protect these minor royals. I mean, they're of no interest to anybody at all. Beatrice, delusions of grandeur, I'm afraid. They don't need a bodyguard. Let her run in the marathon. Let her run with her friends around her. Not a bodyguard. Very silly. Very silly. And Charlie's Theron has split from Stuart Townsend because he doesn't... Alex Reid reveals in the paper today he had to stop himself knocking out Vinnie Jones. Don't be a silly girl's blouse, Alex. You could probably find he'd knock you out, I should imagine. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's early breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen till 7. And Nick Ferrari comes along with his guest. We'll run through that in a moment. And Jay says, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but aren't you sick to the back teeth 
of seeing Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield hosting any and everything on ITV. I haven't got anybody else. The only thing that worries me, and I did think the other day, is why does Holly Willoughby's old-fashioned hairstyle look like it's walked out of an old uh, penthouse magazine from the 1970s? Big hair like that went out with Barbarella, I'm afraid. It's, it's just a little bit dated. We need something to bring her back together and bring her into 2010, not, as I say, 1976. Well, that's just my opinion. Always right, of course. On FM, online. Morning team, eight minutes past six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast, LBC 97.3. Jordan and her trainer were horsing around. This is by Peter Andre. I don't think Peter Andre has ever spoken about Jordan. I don't think he's remotely interested. Just get it over and done with. I mean, she's welcome to anything. She's never going to rescue herself back. Jonathan Levi said to me the other day, what would, what would put her back in the public eye. I said nothing, leaving the country, I think. Nobody likes her. She was voted the most hated woman in the country. But then you can make surveys say anything nowadays. You know, most popular radio presenter ever, Steve Allen. You know, I mean, it's easy to make it, you know, most hated programme presenter. It's it's six of one and half a dozen of the other. Doesn't make any difference at all. You know, most popular in the studio. Here she is. She's brave the snow. (laughs) And he said, we had about an inch out our way. Yeah. Hugh Hugh Broom poo-pooed it and said it wasn't an inch. I said, well, listen, you weren't there. It was, so... Yeah, there was quite there was quite a lot of uh, big uh, coating. It wasn't even a dusting, it was kind of a coating. Proper coating. Yeah, it was. I know. I'll probably have to get the shovel out later, Hugh, and sort of dig my car out. <laughs> <laughs> Not. You know, I went in to buy a television the other day. Don't, don't ask why. <laughs> but I didn't buy it. And I go and have a look in John Lewis. And I'd seen the television, and it's a Toshiba. I want it for the bedroom. 26-inch, uh, with a built-in DVD. Mm-hmm. £449. But I can go to Costco and get exactly the same television, including that, with a five-year warranty, for £352. Why would you want to spend £449? Of course, they don't match, uh, unfortunately, John Lewis... Uh, discount warehouses. No, because they're never knowingly undersold. Is well, they slogan. are undersold. They but then are that's knowingly. A, a discount house. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. It's, that's not like going to one of the other high street stores. But the other thing as well, which I, and I've always disputed, John Lewis go never knowingly undersold. That's their their. Sl- I don't know if they still use it. They still use I it. I think they do. I'm not sure. I think they do. But in yeah. fact, if I actually go out, which I've done before, and I've seen something in the Sony Centre, for example, and it was a it was a radio. And they were selling it for, I think, about £30, £40 less than John Lewis was selling it. So I say to John Lewis, I'll I'll buy it from here, but at the Sony Centre, they're selling it for less. And so he goes, OK, you you, you pay for it, then they actually check, and then they they give you the the difference back. That's OK. So next time I go back into John Lewis, they haven't reduced the price of their radio at all. So, in fact, they are knowingly undersold. Because I've already told them that that radio is on offer at the Sony Centre, and it's cheaper. But, of course, mm. you have to go in yeah. and tell them that you've seen it. So, in other words, they won't reduce the price, but if you tell them, then they'll, they'll do it for you as well. Right. It's, it's a little bit of a switch. Yeah, it is, unless you just got um, an incompetent uh, shop No, they don't, they don't reduce the price. They will only reduce it when you, when you tell them. But who else has that happened to that you know about then? Well, I... Uh, what, with them not reducing the price? Yeah, well, I know, because be I've been the... in there and I've seen it. But you might just be the, the person that you told that didn't bother putting it through the system to see, actually, do you know that this is, is, is I've, cheaper? I've, I've bought stuff the... there before. And they, they don't reduce their, their price. They will keep it at the same price. So, in other words, they, that, unless you'd seen it in the Sony Centre, they would sell you that radio at their price. Well, in that case, then, as you say, then, that's against trade's descriptions if they are knowingly undersold. Yeah, but, but when it comes to individual people, they're not knowingly undersold. Yeah. 
but you've got to tell them before they yeah. will reduce the price. They don't reduce the price automatically. It's a bit of a shame, isn't it, really, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, uk. Off into the wonderful world of soaps now, because I love the soaps. Good. Love, love, love the soaps. Oh, and Loving Emmerdale. A little bit worried that Suzanne Shaw's going in. <laughs> I was just about to I say that. I thought you might have been, yes. When I heard that news, I thought immediately of you, and I thought, oh, wait till Monday and we chat about this. Mm. Uh, yeah, extremely disappointed in the Emmerdale uh, producers for inviting Suzanne Shaw to the programme. She's not an actress. The same, of course, could be said of many people, including Kim Marsh and She's Coronation still not Street. An However, um, I, I do. I, I'm not keen on Suzanne Shaw going in it at all. No. Um, from what I've right seen person. of her, I'm not that keen. And uh, also, I can't. Uh, she's going to play Edna's wayward niece or granddaughter or some ridiculous thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not looking forward to. It. I just, I just don't understand what she's going to bring to it. Yeah, she's not got any presence, to my knowledge. I mean, the last time I saw her was when she was very full of herself and quite arrogant on on Dancing on Ice, and thought she was the best thing since sliced bread. Mm. And yes, of course, she's been in musicals in the West End, but she's not a soap actress. No. And I just think, oh no. And, and it's got to the point if it weren't for the fact, and of course, it would be churlish for me to do this that I love Emmerdale so much, I would take exemption and um, and just umbrage and uh, say I'm not going to watch it. But, of course, yeah. I'd only be cutting my nose off to spite my face. Yes. But, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not happy. When I heard this, I was like, oh, no. Uh, and even now, when I'm, I, I know it's coming, I'm look, watching it thinking, I can't believe they've got this woman in there. I can't it just doesn't fit in, in at all. No, no. I mean, it, I mean, I mean, obviously, we have to give her the benefit of the doubt. I never really thought that Kim Marsh would... Um, go in, but then I didn't take umbrage at Kim Marsh going in. I just mm. thought, well, good on Kim Marsh because I think sometimes she's a different she shows kind of her person. inability to act. Some, sometimes she's had scenes in Corrie. Sometimes it works. Sometimes where she's doing, you think, oh, you just can't act, can you? Uh, I have to admit, although I've gone off her in recent months, I do actually think she's become quite a good actress, and I, I, I think she's, I think she does fit quite well into Corrie mm. as long as they give her enough to do. But I think she s- might end up believing her own publicity and thinking she can go from there to do sort of Hedda Gabler or Shakespeare or something like that, whereas, of course, she can't. No, she can't, but I, I, I don't think, actually, she would be thinking that way. I think she thinks, I think she thinks my God, I've fallen on my feet with this one and yeah. stick with Corey. Seriously, I mean, if you were in Coronation Street... Personally, you'd hold on to it, although well, you know, lots of people don't. They don't. They, they go, oh, I get all this coverage in the mm. magazines, I'll leave. And then you go, um, what, what do you used to do? Oh, you've had to come crawling back. Yeah, I, I, Suzanne Shaw, I just think, God, what I know, it just doesn't, it doesn't no, work for me at all. No, you can't put into words at all, but uh, you just have to wait and see what she's like. But, I, I mean, you know you have to give her a chance, but I just think, oh, God, when I see her walking down, you what's know... What's the point of having drama schools pack? now? Is there any point at all in having places like Weber Douglas and, and any of these but places then, where all the kids go to learn their craft? If the producers are just going to take somebody... I remember there used to be a notoriously... A uh, good producer at Coronation Street who would see a lad walking down the street, like the look, and go, "You." Mm. And before they went, because they were playing themselves. There's a girl who's in a film because she was one of these loudmouth chavettes, and uh, the producer saw her and went, "You're exactly the person I want for this film." Yeah, so now but she thinks she's an actress. I think the problem now is that it's like with any industry, isn't it? If you're a name or a celebrity, mm. then it's like, okay, we'll whip you, and you up, up and you can come in and do any job. But you can't. But well, that's, of course but that's you been can't. proven on radio stations before now, where you've had somebody who is a celebrity and they bring them in and they can't do the job. No, but because for people some go, reason, no, you're only on there because you're a celebrity. You're not a not a proper yeah. presenter. 
but for some reason the powers that be decide that they are and therefore you know like television and, and coronation mm. you just think yeah let, let's put Suzanne Shaw in even though she's not a proven actress ridiculous take a short break for the news headlines with Matthew Schofield's new video footage point three nice to see Una Healy was out the other night who have you noticed every week in the paper they'll always put somebody out and you go who are you and then they have to put down what they're famous for because to be honest with you they're all interchangeable Una Healy apparently is uh, is in the group the Saturdays Oh yeah that's right I do but quite like You wouldn't Saturdays. know if I if I didn't tell you the, so they have to put down the Saturdays sex pot Una Healy mm. you know but to be honest with you I mean, I'm a bit dreary I'm afraid and uh, now that they appear to have taken over from um uh, girls allowed because they seem to have disappeared now. Now that Cheryl Cole features on the charity single and nobody else is doing anything and Cheryl Cole is going out touring with the Black Eyed Peas, they quite clearly don't, don't need uh, Girls Aloud anymore. So we've got the Saturdays to contend with and all you get every week is them out with either a boyfriend or out clubbing or something like that. How dreary for them, poor souls. Mind you, it does make Sarah Harding look that little bit older, I'm afraid, when you see her in the papers. Because well, yeah, she is. she is, yeah. She's kind of getting on a bit now. Well, they all are, really, in a way. And also, yeah. the, the thing is, didn't they decide to take a year off and they would all do their own projects and then they'll get back together yes. sometime? I think it was a kind of unofficial they look very split. old by that time. Yeah. <laughs> and believe it or not, Disney have had to issue a warning. Why? On their latest film, which is The Princess and the Frog, please do not kiss frogs. It could be harmful to you. They've issued a warning. Apparently. More than 50 children have been taken to hospital in America suffering from salmonella poisoning. I shouldn't laugh. After they went out and kissed frogs. But that story, you know, and all that kind of thing, and frogs and princesses, has been around for, well, from, from the beginning of time. Yeah. Why would people all of a sudden now start to kiss frogs? I don't know. The message is, don't, don't kiss frogs. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> it's a, you have to wonder whether or not we've all gone completely round the balmy bend. So don't kiss... If you're listening at the moment, don't kiss frogs, please. OK? If you want to, there is a very good risk you could go to hospital. And plus, you'd be lucky to catch one anyway, wouldn't you? What, frogs? Yeah. We used to have them years ago. Didn't you used to go out tadpoling when you yeah. were little and you'd come back with your jar with a bit of string round it and your mum would go, what have you got there? And you go, tadpoles. And you hold them up. You go, what are you going to do with those? I don't know. Yeah, but once they've grown, <laughs> though, it would be difficult. It is difficult to catch a frog, though, isn't it? Um, in a pro- fully grown no, 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 frog. no, no. Frogs just sit there. Do they? Yes, we used let to... you grab hold of them. Well, I don't think they intentionally want <laughs> you to grab hold of them. No, they're a bit slimy. <clears throat> but we used to have little tiny frogs. We used to keep keep the tadpoles, then watch them grow into frogs. Yeah. And you had to put a rock in the in the pond so that they could climb onto it. And uh, we used to love that. We spent ages doing doing frogs. What a strange childhood we all had, ladies and gentlemen. But anyway, it doesn't matter. So over in Emmerdale, you can have Suzanne Shaw to put up with. Sorry, to enjoy uh, later in the year. It's going to be nice. Yeah, it's going to take us a while to go. Meanwhile, the barmy woman of the vicar is still going. Yeah, you missed all of that, yeah. um, where she trashed the house and wrote Burn and Hell over it. The whole thing oh, is, if you get so to see it on the Omnibus or anything at that time... What's going to um, happen to her? Do we know? She's the... coming back. Oh, yeah, she's, she, this is not the end of her. Oh, um, but Charlotte Bellamy, who plays Laura, was back soon. But the interesting thing about that is that John Middleton, who plays Ashley, his reaction when he walked in to the set for the vicarage was was real because he hadn't seen how what they'd done and he felt quite emotional about it because he's obviously knows that set quite well and the whole yeah. thing was completely ruined um it was good but um yeah I, I kind of think that at the moment a little bit it's gone off the boil um this week though in in emmerdale natasha and faye um kind of bond a bit which is completely ironic given the fact that they're both married to a bigamist and one of them shot the other one shot the husband dead but 
the police arrive at the door and say that they found a body and Natasha has to go and identify it. And no sooner does she arrive there than Faye turns up hot on her heels and goes in with her and grabs her hand. Now, these two hate each other. Grabs her hand and they go to identify the body and, of course, it's not him at all because he's buried in the woods. And this kind of starts this whole thing and then Natasha nearly confesses to Faye and says, look, I know he's dead, but she's too caught up in it and this woman wants to hire a private investigator. This is going to be the problem with Natasha is that Faye is desperate to find Mark or Daniel as she knows him as. Um, so I, I'm intrigued to work out how this is going to pan out because Natasha, Amanda Donahoe, as far as I know, is not leaving. So unless she's only signed for an extra X amount of months because she's going to get found out. She can't not get found out. So then once she gets found out, how's she going to be? Because she can't say it's self-defence. No. She shot the guy in the back. So it's not no. like she shot him in the front or, or, or whatever. Could they not say the bullet went in the front and came out the back? Well, I think forensics would, they would know show. That? I think they'd, oh. they'd show... So, yeah, um, there's also a bullying storyline in in Emmerdale this week, which I just think, oh, you're only trying to find some storylines for these little kids. Victoria and Hannah, who's part part of the Bartons, you just think, oh, the only only interesting bit is, I mean, I I, I don't mean to belittle it because I know that bullying is a major issue and it's horrendous that it happens to anybody and it is, of course, rife Mm. in schools and in everyday life. And so, but, and, and it's good that they're bringing it to the fore, but... I just feel it's a bit gratuitous in the fact that they're just trying to find storylines for these people. Mm. But there is one scene where um, Victoria flushes, or Hannah flushes Victoria's head down the loo in the wool pack, which you really wouldn't want to happen. Um, So there's that coming up. (laughs) Um, But that really kind of is it for Emmerdale this week at the moment. So they must be building up to, maybe they're building up to Suzanne Shaw's entrance. Yes. But there must be something going on. It'll be going, all right, see some acting now, can we? No, not. I mean... I suppose, really, you know, Maxwell Caulfield was awful. Could she be any worse than Maxwell Caulfield? Well, we d- we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Although the, the, the bullying storylines, uh, you know, it's, it's fine, but you're right, they are clutching at straws because every single person was bullied at school. It doesn't matter who you were. Mm. At some point, somebody picked on you, whether you were tall, short, fat, thin, yeah. glasses, no glasses, freckles, every single person. That's why I get so bored with people saying, I was bullied at school. Everybody was bullied at school. Every- I don't know anybody who went through school without being bullied by somebody at some point. There was always the, the class bully. You know, somebody would say something to you, that's bullying. It's as simple as that. So I find it a bit dreary when they, when they rely on that in soaps, I'm afraid. Uh, Siran Jones is doing Blythe Spirit at the moment. Oh, As what? She? I can't, she must be, but well, she can't be Madame McCarty, can she? Not, not old enough, I'm afraid. She was the one who worked. I always remember Siran Jones because A, she was in Coronation Street, yeah. and uh, and B, she went into a play with um, a few good men. She did in the West End with John Barrowman. John Barrowman, and she fancied him, and she yeah. went in the papers and stupidly was saying, "I really fancy John Barrowman." She didn't know he was gay. No, I <laughs> she had no that. idea. And I thought, "Ooh, dumb." Not, not the brightest penny in the box, I'm afraid. I remember <laughs> seeing that in a matinee, and uh, at one point they lost it. Uh, her and one of the other, I don't know, it wasn't John Barrowman, somebody else, Saran Jones and somebody else lost uh-huh. it. And they started nearly, sort of, did the whole giggling, shaking shoulders type oh, thing really? right on stage. Yeah, It's very good, though, a few good men, but it didn't last very long. I did it the other week, actually, I'm afraid, for the South Bank Show Awards. <laughs> me and uh, me and Elaine Page and Michael Ball and Biggins. I mean, it's just, it, because it became to- so serious, it just makes you laugh. Well, that's the thing, isn't There's it? The more serious it is, the yes. more you realise you shouldn't be doing it, therefore the more you do it. I'm a bit like that in lifts. Lifts. Oh, yeah, I'm terrible in a lift. Oh, yeah, oh. I'm all right if I'm on my own, but if I'm with someone else in a lift, oh, laugh. That's, yeah, I can't help it. Well, it started on the, the, when um, I'm sure that, um, that, that Elaine went, 
like that, which is guaranteed to get you going. So you think, did I just hear that? And then and you hear... <laughs> and you see somebody's shoulders going. And before you know where you are, you can't help it. And everything that they, they say, trying to be terrible, says, just strikes you as immensely funny. Yeah. There's no reason Even for it. Even though it's it. not, yeah. I, I have to apologise, because I'm, I'm terrible at things like that. OK, very, very quick break. More from uh, Susan Spence in a moment. London's biggest conversation. LB2. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. This is LBC 97.3. 1st of February, it's 6.30. Knee-deep in snow. Consequently, Ludlow and Kempton are off due to frost and snow. So it's only Wolverhampton you can pick from today. Matthew needed a winner. Winner, pardon me. Ooh. To make his week... Res- <laughs> choked on myself then. <laughs> Dear. To make his week respectable. We could only manage fourth place, I'm afraid. Oh, well. So your gold award was not... Gold. You're almost bronze, but you're, yeah. you're still in not profit. even not even bronze. Not even bronze. No. Five pound ten, mm-hmm. and uh, surprisingly, Dragon's Roost for Alex mm. won. Oh, his profit eighteen pounds. Whoa! He's now in profit eight pound ninety. So in one race, he's hang on a minute. What were the odds on that? Uh, nine to one. Good lord. He got eighteen pounds, so it wiped out his uh, his yeah. debt. So he's eight pound ninety in profit. So one race, God, he's he's streaked ahead. You need something, something to sort out. The word only got... fluke springs to mind. No, he he he's very he he studies form. Nine to one, though. I know you're impressed. That's aren't you? very rare. I know, very rare. I very should have rare. put real money on that one. You should have done really. But he's off to Wolverhampton today because that's the only one yeah. he's got because yeah. of this uh, snow all over the country. Mm. Right, Twickenham, we had about an inch, I think. Oh dear, like that, yeah. a, a dusting in Shepherd's Bush. Uh, d- yes, I mean, I think a dusting is such a good word. It makes it sound like it comes out of an icing sugar. And by the yeah. time yeah. I got to, to yeah. Holland Park, Notting Hill, gone completely. So, yes, uh, it, it, it seems it to be a, it's a zone two phenomenon. Yeah, it's lovely though, isn't it? Are we, um, I'm not sure what zone I'm in. That's funny though. 14? 14. I'm well, not in zone 14. Out in Ealing, it was really pretty. It was more than a dusting, yeah. but it wasn't, you know, an inch or anything. But it really, when I looked out the window, it was very pretty. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? I, yeah. I do like it when it's like that. Uh, today's selection, 350 at Wolverhampton, uh, Riviera Chic. Win only, Riviera Chic. Uh, the 550 at Wolverhampton for me, Starburst. Starburst. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not. That's a sweet, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Opal fruit. That's an opal fruit that yeah. was renamed Starburst. Yeah. To make your mouth water. Made to make your mouth water. Bing! <laughs> I like those. OK, good luck with that one. Thank you. But you need something impressive today. Oh, no, I do, don't I? Otherwise, uh, no melon for you this week. Oh, dear. All right. Talk to you later. Have a good day. Thank you. That's Matthew Schofield. So uh, we're off at Wolverhampton, which is nice. 24 minutes to uh, 7 is the time. Fans of the Jeremy Kyle show I read in the paper uh, may have to cough up extra cash to watch it. They're looking at various options. Now this new man's come in to run ITV. Mm. And and one of the options is charging people for certain programmes. It's a way of getting rid of it, isn't it? Completely. (laughs) Seriously, would anybody pay to see that? No. No, No. absolutely not. The sort of people who would watch the Jeremy Carl show would be more inclined to nick it, I would think, than to do anything else. But dreadful, dreadful I'm not sure that anybody consciously watches those kind of programmes. I think it's one of those things that if it happens to be on when you turn the television on, I know that I know quite a few friends of mine get really sucked into it. And we'll, we'll think, oh, I'll just sit down and watch a bit yeah, of this. I can't so, watch it. But I don't think anybody intentionally no. watches it and thinks, oh, I'm going to sit down and watch this show. So I would imagine if they, if they do something like that, then 
it will quickly yes. disappear. I cannot bear the first bit of the show where he walks on and goes and shakes hands I know. With, <laughs> with these dirty people in the audience. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't want to touch them with a barge. I'd be handing out that antibacterial wash, not going around touching people's hands. Mm, it's all very American, isn't it? It is very American. And a little bit now. Hello, hello, how are you? Oh, go Hi, away. How are you? you don't know them. No, and he couldn't care less. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't care less. So as soon as you take it off to America, the better. Um, the major Grammy Award winners, record of the year. Use Somebody by Kings of Leon, Album of the Year, Fearless by Taylor Swift, Song of the Year, Ladies Put a Ring on It by Beyonce. I love that song. Oh, do you? Single, single Ladies. ladies yeah. Oh, the Single Ladies. Is that that yeah, one? Yeah. Oh, I like that. Oh, if that's you like it, put it, why do you not put a ring on it? I didn't know that that was yeah, it. All that's the Single her, Ladies. Yeah. Da, da, da. I did. And also, my favourite at the moment is Alexandra Burke's High Heels or something. Oh, really? Oh, my f- Broken Heels. Oh, that's my favourite. Have you not heard it? No, I don't think I oh. have heard that. Check it out on YouTube. That is so hip. I really like Pixie Lot. I'm really. I got her her yes. CD the other day. I really like Pixie yeah. Lot. I'm into her actually. Uh, but yeah, that Beyonce song is very, very good. Well, it's 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 all over the place because yeah. she gets female pop vocal performance as well. Nomination for that plus R and B song. So you get it in two categories. Mm. All the single ladies. I like that. The more I think about it, the more I like it. And strangely enough, traditional gospel album, Oh Happy Day, which was a big hit for the Edwin Hawkins singer some years ago, gets a nomination. And the classical album, Marla's Symphony No. 8, Adagio from Symphony No. 10. Dance recording, Poker Face, Lady Gaga. Oh, yeah, Poker Face, good. And uh, spoken word album, Michael J. Fox, Always Looking Up. Mm, bless him. So, bless his little heart. Yeah, it's a shame. Bless his heart. So, uh, those are the major Grammy Award winners for this year. So, I bet... uh, on Black Eyed Peas, get a pop vocal album, the END. I think Beyonce could, could walk away with a couple. Something like that. Anyway, over in EastEnders... Oh, by the way, can anybody tell me who was booted out of Dancing on Ice? Do tell me, because I, I didn't get that far, I'm afraid. Is it not in the papers? No, no. OK. And I, I, it, it wasn't up on the television this morning. I did check... But I could not find it. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I, I, I'm, I didn't watch it last night, except for to see Dr Hillary doing some kind of strange singing. Most of them were not very good. We <laughs> had moaning and whinging from, uh, oh, look, I've got a prosthetic leg, Heather Dreary Mills, with the what awful... What did she have on? I don't know, but she, that hairstyle has got to go. I mean, she, frankly, it's awful. She looked as if she had something on. Do you remember when you... Do you remember when you... you in, in primary school and yeah. you forgot your gym kit and they made you wear... They made you... A, God, it used to be awful. They made you wear your um, pants and vest. Yes. That's what she looked as if she had on the uh, last night. Yes. Well, she was also moaning about this prosthetic leg, which we, she's gone on for 17 years now. You know, drones on. Nothing like labouring the point. But, of course, this one was new because she's lost so much weight. The trouble is, there's something odd about her I don't like. You know, I there know is... about her past. I know about her, her chequered life. But for some reason, I can't bet where they builded her up as if she's some kind of a celebrity. Not in my mind, she's not. I know exactly what she is. And uh, I don't... Oh, did you think Tanner Ramsey went... Gordon Ramsay's wife. I can't even remember what she looked But the truth is, Dr Hillary couldn't dance. Sharon, um, what's her Davies. name? Davies. burst into tears during the rehearsal. Did she? I can't do it. I can't. I'm thinking, oh, get on with it. Isn't she an Olympic You're an swimmer? Olympic champion. You're being paid £35,000. You know, get off your bottom and dance. That's what you're... It's, I mean, yeah, to but... learn a skill is fantastic. I'd love to be able to do it. Yeah, I, absolutely. I totally agree with you because the girls all say that it, it makes them tone up, they yeah. lose weight, their figures always look great. Well, if great. the standard gets much lower, I can qualify for this show. <laughs> I could be a celebrity. <laughs> Did you see... <laughs> what, what was so amusing was the first week with Bobby Davro. Oh, my heavens. The, the blades were 
scarcely moving on top of the no, ice. He was going that slow. <laughs> It was just a lollipop on ice would have moved quicker. Yes. He was just, was he saying, had I mean, to go. But they do have the guy. And of course, Jason Gardner has got more more bitter and twisted as the programme's oh, gone yeah. on. I mean, he's, he's quite rude. Although, strange enough, if you analyse what he says, he's act- it's just that the audience start booing because they're a naff-chavvy audience, I'm afraid. Because if you listen to what some of the others say, they're saying exactly the same as he is. He's just being constructive. He's saying, listen, you've not improved since day one. Boo, boo. The next person says, listen, I don't think you've improved as much. They don't say anything. So it's quite clearly aimed at, at Jason. I mean, I know sometimes he can be very, very rude, but that's what he's paid to do. But also, it's it's the way he says it, and also, yeah. you know, what he's like he's tried to bill himself as the as the Simon Cowell of dancing on ice. Yes, yes. You know, they like a baddie, don't they? Yeah. I mean, and that's one thing on Strictly, to my knowledge, they don't have a baddie on Strictly in the judge panel. No. Um, Arlene used to always be quite cutting, but not to the extent. But you've got of to be Cowell honest. Or, yeah. you see, I, I don't. I don't find Simon Cowell particularly bitter. Or tw- I just think he's being honest. And unfortunately, if people are too depressingly stupid and weak nowadays, because somebody says, "I'm sorry, you you can't sing or you can't dance," then you just have to accept the truth. Who are these stupid parents who are telling them that they've got talent because they haven't? Mm. And so I think you have to be honest. I know that Jason, you know, can be a little bit over the top at times, but that's his role. That's why he's paid that amount of money. Because all the others are trying to protect him. I do worry, though, about Jane Torville's outfits. Now, <laughs> I mean, she's... God knows, ladies and gentlemen, it's, she's, she's, she's got a bit of a struggle on her hands. They quite clearly don't know what to put her in. Last night, she's got this nice dress with the most awful shoes. Can somebody dress her, please? Do something. I'm sure that they don't go out wearing these outfits. I'm sure that Christopher Dean does not wear pink shirts. Oh, of course. Nobody does on the ice. Exactly. They only do it on the ice. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's a former policeman, we know. But uh, but put put Jane in something that's flattering, please. I'd imagine, though, that Jane Jane is, a, is, is one of those shapes and builds that would be quite difficult to, to, to dress. Well, must better find something for it because she's in these shapeless frocks. Yeah. And her hair. Yes. Well, Very I mean, dated. It's, well, not as dated as Holly Willoughby's. I mean, oh, that no. is I a like Barbarella that. hairstyle. I mean, Jane Fonda wore hair like that, and that was 30 years ago, so then, at least change it. The thing is with Holly, Holly does things with style, I always think. I, I, I do always... She's, wear, she's frightened to move because the hair is so lacquered. She's a bit like that. It must be quite difficult for those two doing, you know... This morning, and then that as well. It's like they're never oh, away from each know. other. Put it this way, whenever you think of the money, I shouldn't imagine they worry about it too much. Have you ever been burgled? Have you ever been flooded? Morning, everybody. Ten to seven. Don't forget, Nick, this morning, after the news at seven with breakfast. They're talking about John Terry. Should he remain as England's football captain? The simple answer is... No. No, absolutely, absolutely not. not. <laughs> absolutely. There you go. Great minds think. <laughs> I said this yesterday on the programme. Uh, to be honest with you, I couldn't care less... You know, who he might or might not have slept with. I just think that if you're the England captain, you are whiter than white. And that's the way it goes, I'm afraid. So so you can still carry on playing for Chelsea. But, oh, yeah, uh, and he will probably still carry yeah, on playing for England. Um, however, not as captain. I don't know how you can play with a man in the team who you've had a fling with his girlfriend, apparently. I mean, how does that work? Well, I think also the other problem will be um, the unrest in the dressing room because already there are a lot of players... the undressing room, as we call it. Yeah, there are already a lot of players who have pledged their support to Wayne Bridge, Mm. players who will be in the England dressing room, room, and whether he be captain or not, it's going to cause some kind of unrest. Yes, I would think so. Well, they'll they'll talk about that this morning. Uh, Climate change, is Miliband right to declare a war on the sceptics? 
uh, finance they'll have, and also Blair's use of language at the Chilcot Inquiry. They're going to be talking to Kelvin McKenzie, former editor of The Sun, about 300 years ago, I think, about uh, whether or not uh, John Terry should remain. He's the front page of every paper. And strangely enough, the girl who he had a fling with, who's a lingerie model, uh, has had to go to Max Clifford because she's not sure how to handle this kind of thing. Yeah, right. So expect that story out any day now. They're going to they're be doing the rounds. Strangely enough, um, a couple of television programmes. Firstly, um, I mentioned Jedwood are number two in the charts. And I have to keep reminding myself, they're 18 now, but uh, they don't act 18. I don't know how you're supposed to act at a certain age. Like, I don't act my age, 38, you know. I'm not. Uh, but, you know, when, when somebody says you're 18, how are you supposed to act at 18? I think they're actually very young 18. Yeah. Very they are. young 18. But not half as bad as a programme I saw. And I only mention it again because Susan said, had I seen the book club on television? The TV book club, yeah. And I haven't seen it. This was the spin off of Richard and Judy. It was the successful side of it and it generated a lot of income. Yeah. And they're obviously going to hope for adverts around it and sponsorship and stuff like that. But I saw a programme called Sweet 16 on MTV. Oh, yes, I, I've watched that. I've it watched that. Most ghastly, <laughs> awful. Yep. Oh, it's a 16-year-old. It can be a man or a woman or a boy or a girl or just somebody of... Some of them are just unbelievably revolting. And MTV decide to throw them a party. So yeah. they organise the party and then their parents buy them a very expensive present. It is, it is the most awful, awful trash. They're the most spoilt children I've ever seen in my life. One of them, a girl from Essex, stays at the Savoy. Dear God, they've obviously got no standards now. And she gets a £20,000 Cartier bracelet for her 16th birthday. I just felt physically ill. I mean, it was just full of the most awful, egotistical show-offs I've ever seen in my entire life. I want to be on television. Let's stick our family on television. Let's make ourselves look even more stupid than we really are. It was just terrible. It's like a debutant um, show, really, coming yes. out, you know, 16, all that kind of thing. And it, it, it is mostly um, Essex people, it has to be said. Except um, for one girl who was into horses. She wanted, I want to come in on a horse. And so she came in on a horse, and she had all the best-looking boys. All the best-looking boys and girls were at her party because they were all very well-heeled. Whereas the Essex one... I wouldn't have let them anywhere near the Savoy. But they always have so they always have a good-looking boy in their arm, and that boy doesn't really want to be on her arm. He wants to be on yes, somebody else's arm. And, and they get to the party, and they end up going off with somebody else. Oh. And the girl who's nice is she starts crying, and the mum has to try and console her. Oh. And then it's like, will I get a car or will I get this? And they all go outside. And, oh, fabulous! One of them got a got flat. This car. Yeah, all oh, this. A flat. Yeah. Sixty. I ask you. It is the. It is the most. Uh, the trouble is, I blame the parents. The parents for A and the children for putting them on the television in the first place. These people should not be allowed anywhere near televisions. They're complete egotistical show-offs whose lives are so empty and vacuous that they have to prove to you how clever they are so mummy and daddy, stupid to a T, buy them presents. One of, one of the boys got a Rolex watch. A ro- I mean, how stupid is that? I mean, just yeah. absolutely the most ridiculous thing. It is a, it is a real Ooh. strange programme. Don't get me going. Can I just quickly tell you what's happening quickly. in Coronation Street in, in East Oh, Denver. yes, please. Coronation Street this week, Peter goes back on the booze. And if you've been following that storyline, that. that's what Ken has always said, that he's yeah. setting up a bar uh, with Leanne, with George's help, and Ken's always been against it. And by the end of the week, you see Ken's quite a good scene where he says, well, actually, I told you so. Also, which I know you'd be interested in, Betty celebrates her 90th birthday this week 
on Thursday night. Is she really 90 in real life, um, though? I, yeah, I think she's about that. Mm. And also, um, she's also celebrating the fact that she is the oldest barmaid in the Northwest, having been in the Rover's return for 41 years. She hasn't served a drink for the last <laughs> 30. But along comes this old old lady, old biddy, who says, actually, do you know what? I'm the oldest one and I'm 91, so there's, you know, fisticuffs amongst the old barmaids. But it's um, Betty's hot pot, she's Well, I know, for. but they, they, they actually give her an out-of-date hot pot and the poor woman has food poisoning. Um, that's Coronation Street. And uh, in EastEnders, uh, you've also got, the, you know, the doctor who you spoke about that yes. you said that Cheryl Ferguson, who plays Heather, was talking at the party you yes. were at. Um, he actually leaves this week because he's heading off to Cornwall. We oh. asked Roxy to go with him, but so, she says no. Yeah. And then there's the whole thing where Billy, Bianca's half-brother, remember Billy Jackson? He mm-hmm. comes back to the yes. square as well. And at last, uh, Saeed and Amira consummate their marriage. Now, Saeed, of course, is the one who's been having the gay affair with Christian. And it turns out, despite having been on honeymoon and been wed for several weeks now, the two of them have not slept together. So that's a storyline that runs for yonks this week. But by the end of the week, they sort it out. Of course, Amira, in between kisses another guy. And as we know, Priya, who plays Amira, has announced that she's leaving the soap. So how they're going to wind that up and whether she's, they're going to make Saeed go with Christian or not, who knows. Uh, but it's quite a lot happening in, in EastEnders at the moment because it's a build-up to the live show. Right. And I, I did mention, didn't I, Dancing on Ice, it's Tanner Ramsey who was Tana, out. Yeah. But as I say, all of them were absolutely dreadful. I wonder all who was were... in the skate-off with her. I don't know. One of his between. They were, they were so awful. Poor old Sharon was wooden. Uh, I mean, Heather Mills could barely stand up. You know, a totally pointless exercise, I'm afraid. I mean, I'm not, but, you know, if you go on a programme, you've got a prosthetic leg, all right, fine. But then stop starting, stop asking for special treatment. I'm not interested, I'm afraid. I'm did really not. She That's did a, a dancing show in the States, though, as well. She did, she? yes. Wasn't yes. on ice, though, was it? I'm a bit bored with seeing her, actually. I think she's had her five minutes of fame disappear wh- back where you came from. Susan, thank you. You're welcome. Susan's back with us very, very shortly on LBC. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Don't forget to tell your friends. Don't forget to podcast. Don't forget to read the blog. Don't forget to keep listening to 97.3. Nick's with you after seven, but here's today. Today's business update with Matthew Schofield. Thanks, Steve. The chief executive of Goldman Sachs.